Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. I have searched all over and have not found none, not one person that could love me and be there, do it all than, than him. And I'm just so grateful. He gets his glory when we willingly bless him by knowing that all that we went through is for not just our good, but for his glory, bringing it right back to him and sharing. I'm telling you, it was through him and also do my choice, my free will. That's why I'm here. And do I still go through challenges? Yeah, but I am here to be a living witness and to hopefully let someone hear my voice and know that this change is lived. Mm-hmm. Lived an example that could have gave up, could have given in, could have committed suicide, had so many suicidal thoughts, even with children, but I'm here. That's right. And I'm in here in a place of healing and thriving. I got through a season where I remember I was just surviving. I remember I was just a living. But now I made the choice to not do none of those, but thrive Mm -hmm. in this journey. Mm -hmm. And I'm loving it. Thank you for stopping by my podcast, Finding God in Our Pain. Welcome. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Pilkington. In this podcast, you'll hear firsthand stories of how the God of the Holy Bible meets real people in their real pain. We look at the good God we profess through the lens of pain and suffering. I'm processing the most painful season of my life after unexpectedly losing Larry, my husband of 32 years. In my journey, I've discovered that there are many types of deaths. Maybe you've asked God, how could you let this happen? Why me? Where are you, God? Do you even care? What am I supposed to do with my life now? Here at Finding God in Our Pain, we don't shy away from the tough questions. I ask them to my guests. I share what I've experienced. We give real examples of how God shows up in the darkest, most painful situations in life. May the stories that you hear and the advice you receive encourage you to engage the heart of God about your painful places or memories or experiences or even your unmet expectations. Lean in close to God's heart because he speaks beautiful things in the dark. Taking responsibility is a powerful tool when it comes to healing. And my conversation today with my guest, author and speaker, Kimberly Bell, is the perfect example of what that means. Using her book titled The Epitome of Kimmy, Accept and Embrace It All, we talked about her healing journey from the various traumas that she's experienced, such things as domestic violence, teen pregnancy, abusive relationships, as well as of Uh, various other traumas and PTSD, Kimberly tells us that her powerful transformation from broken to discovering who God had created her to be wasn't an easy journey because it was plagued with setbacks and returning to old patterns. But Kimberly never stopped praying to the God of the Holy Bible. While her adoptive parents couldn't rewrite 
right? What had been imprinted on Kimberly as a young girl, they equipped her with the best possible option to discover truth and freedom. They pointed her heart to a personal relationship with Jesus. And she would need that as a compass to find her way to healing because her early trauma made her an easy target for future abuse. Even as Kimberly struggled through the various abusive relationships from early teens and for several decades, she always knew that she could talk to Jesus about her pain and her confusion, but she wouldn't see lasting change until she decided to take responsibility and try things God's way within his value system. And as it is with uh, many of us who finally come to the end of ourselves, there came a time too when she hit the proverbial wall and surrendered. She gave up that futile struggle against the evil that she was no match for. And just like the rest of us, she had tried everything she knew how to try in her human reasoning and the strength of mental endurance, but nothing brought a peace that surpasses understanding. Nothing brought a lasting resolution that would solve her pain. And I would personally say that the first glimpse of someone's healing who has thoughts of self-harm would be when they don't surrender to the voice that is telling them to end it all, to give up. You're not worth the effort. No one will ever love you. So when she didn't agree with that voice, even though she may have felt at a place of having no way out, nothing left for her to fight for, no human strength to fight with, but I consider it a win when she didn't choose a permanent solution to a temporary situation. And I say temporary because the truth is, as Christians, we have a different option. We have a way out. She chose to release the weight of the fight and the pain and the feelings of unworthiness, the memories, the shame, and she laid it all at the feet of Jesus. Rather than surrendering to something or anyone or someone, she surrendered herself to the only one with whom she was safe to be laid bare in such an incredibly vulnerable way. Kimberly points out the importance of the gift God gave us, the gift of choice. When she exercised that gift, choosing to allow God to love on her, to accept the invitation to sit at his table and enjoy his extravagant love, despite anything about her past mistakes, she discovered tangible benefits of the cross, some of which are authority over evil, the power of responsibility, which translates to freedom, and the beauty of it all, redemption. And just in case you're wondering, how does authority, responsibility, and redemption translate to my pain and suffering? And what that looks like for those of us who have past traumas and pain is that we take authority over the evil that we've experienced. And what does that mean? We make the choice to take responsibility for our healing. We're not taking responsibility for what happened to us. Please hear me clearly on this. We're taking responsibility for our healing. We initiate the necessary steps and follow it through to complete healing. And I'm not going to lie to you. This means we engage our painful places and memories. But if there is anything, anything at all that I can make an impression with you about, it would be to stay the course and don't back down. You may not have been able to fight against or protect yourself against the person that violated you, that killed things in your heart and your mind. But by God's power and authority, you can fight this good fight, just like Kimberly did until your past pain no longer has any control over you. The beauty of redemption is freedom. Discovering that what Christ did on the cross, you can live above the confinements of this life. But God never stops there. 
there's more. God gives our pain purpose. An example of purpose for our pain is what Kimberly is doing. She's sharing her story to encourage the hearts of others. She's taking part in the redemption plan that God has for her. Kimberly was a delight to talk with. I loved her laugh, her fun spirit. I think those qualities were so evident because of all that she's been through. And yet she had the courage to choose Jesus. She's sharing her story of healing and redemption from a new level of authority and truth and love in Christ. Let's listen in. Welcome, Ms. Kimberly Bell. Thank you for being a guest today. I know my listeners are going to be blessed today as they hear you share your story of overcoming the traumas in your life. And I think the reason that this podcast topic is so powerful is because a large percentage of people have or will experience trauma in their life. And what do we do with that? I think that's a huge question. It's a fair question. Some want to heal, but some want to hide. And conversations like this will add a measure of healing or clarity that mm-hmm. encourages them to pursue healing. So let's start here. You have authored and published a book titled The Epitome of Kimmy, Accept and Embrace It All. And in your book, you share about your childhood trauma and how you navigated the effects from that trauma for a more fulfilling life today. So let me ask you this, even though your parents were unable to model God's love for you, you did have a paternal aunt and her husband who raised you from the age five. And it sounds like they poured into your spiritual journey. So when you think back, what was the biggest investment or the impact that they made on your life? Well, um, Sherry, thank you. And it's an honor and it's a privilege, uh, just a blessing to be um, talking to you. Um, First of all, I want to get that out the way. Uh, Thank you so much for the opportunity. But I really believe the biggest impact was not only did they help start build my my foundation was genuinely love and a spirituality that I remember my adoptive father said to me at a very young age that I can remember about love is that, Kimmy, I love you, but God loves you more. And then that he modeled it. They, they, they just didn't say those words. They, they modeled. They led by example. I was able to get to see work ethics, team playing. I couldn't play one against the other. I'm a bit like that as far as how I raise my kids is that faithful without works is dead, that I have to model exactly what I say, lead by example. Not that I'm perfect, but I, 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 I tend to put those things hand in hand. The easiest three words that you can say is that I love you to someone. But if you don't show that love, and that love is confused by the actions or the behaviors to those three words, something's wrong, goes hand in hand. I want to dig a little deeper into your story because of your experience. And I'd love your input on this. How do we balance what we are responsible for and what God's responsible for? Yeah, it took a lot of evaluation and um, praying for the peace of God that surpasses all understanding because I'm telling you, (laughs) it's hard to kind of understand. And especially when you come, as you were saying about my story from brokenness and a broken foundation of confusion of what love looks like, what love Mm -hmm. is, being abandoned and rejected, having those broken foundations at a very young age. But the healing process of, first of all, evaluating myself and my inner being and why I was just created and that to go back on God's promises is that I was created wonderfully and beautifully made. 
in his own image. And then I was created for love and to be loved, you know, to love and to be loved and uh, to accept how I was created, not needing any validation of how I was created, but just find it within to validate my emotions, my flaws, myself, just the Kim that I am. And I had to get into, as you were talking about the responsibility of really understanding a lot of my misery and a lot of my depression and anxiety weighed on me feeling responsible for other people's actions and behaviors towards me. And until I got that uh, acceptance and embrace it all, as you were saying, that those things did happen, I'm not going to minimize it anymore. Those things was wrong. Some of them, some of them was beyond my control, but I'm not responsible. I'm not responsible. What I am responsible and accountable for is my own healing to give it to God and Mm -hmm. to let God heal me Mm -hmm. and build those broken foundations to what he had promised me. And he promised me a life of abundance. He promised me peace. He promised me joy. He promised me the gifts that everyone has. We just got to tap in and and get them. So it's just amazing uh, journey of, like I said, with that step of of me taking. Yeah. The word responsibility, in my opinion, we're just making a distinction between taking responsibility for your healing versus taking responsibility for someone else's actions against you. Yeah. I think that's pretty powerful. Yeah. 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 That you would take responsibility. Yeah. But but not for what was done to you. Right. But for your healing. Yes. That's a great position to be in, a great way to look at that as far as empowering Yes. Who you are and getting into discovering who you are. And not only that is that for years, I didn't think I had the ability to choose that. And it was so empowering, empowering for me to say, yes, Kim, you have the ability to choose. You have the ability and you have the right to choose you every day to live the best life that you can choose every day, not for your children, but for you. You have the right and ability to choose your relationship to strengthen it with God every day. You have the right to choose to to say today, because I'm still in a grievance period, I'm sad and it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to be sad for a moment. Did you have to, because I think this would be a hard part, or at least it was for me, a hard part of the equation to healing. And that's acknowledging what did happen to you, mm-hmm. going back mm-hmm. and visiting those places. Oh, Who wants yes. to do that? Oh, yeah, Sherry, you are absolutely right. That was one that, and that's why that accept and embrace it all just had to be on the cover. That had to, because up until I was in my 40s, I accepted. Now I knew it happened, but I accepted it was a difference that. I did not have a normal upbringing. I did not have a normal start. It wasn't normal. The abnormal events that happened first wasn't my fault, but it did happen. And they were sad. Mm-hmm. They were sad moments. I, I, I didn't get into my 40s to really realize. And as I'm writing a memoir and I'm revisiting, I'm crying and I'm like, yeah, this is this is really sad. If I had listened to it from another story besides my story, I would have been bawling. Uh, but realizing, accepting your own, your mm-hmm. own truth and your own story is that's the 
well, for me, was one of the first part of my healing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because it takes a lot of courage to go back to those places yeah. that you don't want to yeah. think about. That was and shameful. I, that mm-hmm. filled with me with guilt and anxiety and shameful. You know, 15 years old, having my first child, um, 12 years old, the sexual molestation that, you know, I got confused because I was like, okay, some of the touch is, 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 is feeling it's normal that it feels good. But in, in, in my mind, is it wrong? Why shouldn't I have be able to tell? Why is this such a secret? kind of feels dirty, like I get just confused mm-hmm. under, the, under the manipulation. So all of those had to drop like layers. They had to, they had to fall before they destroy me right. <laughs> and make yeah. me feel like intimacy or sexual uh, activities or, you know, um, that desire is, is tainted mm. and, and not for me to be beautiful with another person without mm. a confused state. Confusion, <laughs> truly the fingerprints of Satan, that's for sure. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I think about what Satan's after mm. with trying to kill, steal and destroy sexuality, desire, procreation, mm-hmm. legacy, generate. I mean, there's a whole ball yes. of wax. Everything that God meant for us human beings that he created to be beautiful, to be a wonderful experience. The devil's mission is to destroy, to, as you said, to divide, to conquer, to, to taint, confuse, to manipulate everything of the opposite. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But again, it's up to us and I can't stress this enough until I, and I preach this to my, my children first, I start with home. It's up to us. We have the choice. We have our choice to 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 make these decisions and to be abided by God himself, because he said trials and tribulations will come. He never said that that wouldn't happen, but also that he's able and he will help us through them all, you know, and I and I just believe once he does what he promised to do then we have an accountability to share and say look if he did it for me he can do it for mm-hmm. you yeah mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> yeah i was listening to a conversation and you know how on social media you get these small clips of what someone may have said and it was jordan peterson i have no clue of his spiritual mm-hmm. condition whether whether he professes any faith or not but it was interesting to me because someone had asked him what mattered mm-hmm. and he said matter you know is one thing like stuff you can touch he says but what really matters is pain because mm. he said try to try to argue that away right. i even thought of uh money can't even mm. get you healing i think about steve jobs mm-hmm. look at all the money he had right he still passed away of cancer his money mm-hmm. didn't do any good right. and so then the host asked him what's the counterpart to that or how do you battle that and he said love mm. and so to me he was talking about satan's work but then here comes god piercing these mm-hmm. lies of mm-hmm. this world mm-hmm. with love, mm-hmm. kindness, affection. Yes. And it's such a contradiction to how we live life. We think right. if somebody comes at us, we need to fight back. Mm. But God in yeah. his yeah. great love. Now, there are yes. times, practical times mm-hmm. when you step up and defend yourself or whatever. But Or stand up for yourself. And that's one thing because um, my doctor dad, I talk about him a lot. He says, Kimmy, he says, and, and that helped also me maneuver and get a memoir out. He said, Listen to your dear old dad. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. 
And so it gave me that courage even more. And I found more strength and uh, standing up for myself. But that's quite different, like you said, than fighting. We have to have courage to do that. And that's why I advocate so much. Share your truth. Because I think it's important that we have a voice. Yeah. Especially if there's a narrative around what's happened in our life that we think we are less than or somebody else, let's say someone's been victimized and the the perpetrator wants to put their story out there, but, right. but the victim needs a voice too. Exactly. Exactly. I remember during one of my the undergrad and I was so compelling. I wanted to, and I think I did a syllabus or something on that, on a topic of uh, the adoptee opinion, which I was the adoptee because at one time I remember a silent cry. I remember thinking my voice didn't matter. Now I was raised in a generational era also that even assisted that silent cry because they were like, you're a child. What you, you don't, <laughs> this is grown up stuff. You don't say nothing. <laughs> you, know? you don't say nothing. Get out the you know, yeah. even down to emotions where it's just, what's crying for? <laughs> I'll give you something to cry about. Oh, yeah. there you go. There you go, Sherry. I remember those days. I oh, sure my God. <laughs> Got a backhand and my mama had a ring on. Right. Mm. I remember oh, that yeah. ring. Oh, oof. yeah. <laughs> um, backing up just a little bit, because I want to look at how when we're children and what the trauma, pain, suffering, and you even suffered from PTSD associated mm-hmm. with your trauma mm-hmm. and how that affects our life because Satan's not just after you as a kid. He Mm -hmm. wants to ruin everything and destroy everything from whatever age he can attach himself to a trauma Mm -hmm. on through your last breath. Yes. Do you feel that your childhood abuse abuse made you easier prey when you were in that abusive relationship at 16? Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. And it's crazy because my older sister that's two years older than me seeing that last physical abuse and it affected her quite different than it affected me. She never tolerated and got into physical abusive relationship. I, on the other hand, did. And I remember the first hit when I was probably 15 or going on 16 or something like that with the first and going back to that physical abuse that I seen my biological mother and my biological father have just before I was dropped off to my uh, paternal aunt to be raised in that same night. You talking about trauma on top of trauma, (laughs) but there's no gap in between. I remember like feeling like, what did I do? Did I deserve this? Like she deserved what she got, what I witnessed her. And how could I, what could I do to prevent that hit to happen again? So I stayed for a while. But I remember my mentality, as you said, that trauma weighs negatively heavy on me with that uh, demonic or that enemy prey to mm. to to go through relationships after relationships after relationships to finally stop it, you know, stop those toxic relationships and those abusive relationships. Children really don't have a voice like you were saying. And. I have not heard a story yet where they don't internalize what happened to them as it being their fault. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now you're the bad one. That's mm-hmm. what happened to you is because you're bad. Mm-hmm. You did something to deserve mm-hmm. that. And so now as you get older, does that thought pattern stay? I think it's interesting that first and foremost, we take it and receive it as our fault. Mm-hmm. But and then but at some point we we figure that it's not working out for us. Right. What was your heads up? 
that something's not working. I really need to to reevaluate my life. That last physical altercations, I, I didn't have that thought that um, it was my fault. Now, what I had internalized that I lived with that I thought that was my fault was never receiving that kindness or that compassion or that um, acceptance or that love for my biological mother up until I can remember being disconnected from her. And I knew she she just was mean to me. I didn't understand. So I felt, as you were saying, not as far as the physical altercation between because um, my dad and my um, my biological father and my sister was quite different uh, emotionally and physically towards me than her is that it was my fault. And I lived under her roof trying to be the quietest, to be the, the most kindest, the most loving, the most uh, uh, daughter that wouldn't ask for seconds, wouldn't ask to go to the bathroom because I just wanted my behavior, my response being underneath her, mem- mesmerized by this beautiful Black woman to just love me, just be kind, you know, smile at me, say mm-hmm. she loved me, you know, put her arms around me. I, let me feel something op- opposite than what I've had always felt. Going back to that physical altercation, I remember feeling helpless. Now, my my sister in the back of the car with me, she was trying to beat my father off. It's just something like I could remember just like it was yesterday. She was trying to beat him off. She was uh, hitting them. She was screaming and hollering. I froze. Mm-hmm. I remember that little brown skin girl just froze and feeling so helpless. So getting into those physical altercation, I felt helpless. Yeah. I felt I internalized this helpless, non-fighting, take whatever that comes with in life and go with it until here we go. But your answer, I'm sorry, I had to go all the way back. Breakdown. Um, with my last relationship that I was in, and I was in my 40s, where it started to be physical. I had a gap in between. I'm going to tell you know everybody that I had a gap in between where I got in a relationship that wasn't physical abusive, but here again, you know. And so it, it, he had a daughter, I had a daughter, but this cycle here was quite different where it was so, the breakup was so mentally bad. When I say bad, it broke me down to say, God, and I surrender. I Mm -hmm. said, this cycle has to stop. It's got to start with me because I see that I am going into relationships, trying to make or change a person where I need the changing. I need Mm -hmm. the acceptability and responsibility that I need to be healed. I need a touch. I need to not be coming to these people broken. Mm-hmm. and looking for them to fix me or feeling like eventually with the relationship, I'll get fixed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the breaking point. Yeah. I think a lot of us at some point hit that brick wall. What I would concern with oh, yeah. what I would term a brick wall. Yeah. yeah. And so there's this shift. And I just feel like that's one of the places that we discover the most dramatic shift in our relationship with Jesus when we just lay it all down and say, I give up, God. I give up. Yeah. Because I, 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 I remember different seasons of my life giving up and depending on when I got exploited, exploited. I think that's the word by, you know, financial when one of my ex-husband took my bank card in front of the the little kids. And um, uh, man, 
I gave up. And I remember going to God and surrender. It's not about the physical abuse then, because that was happening then, but more so, God, give me the strength. I never want my daughters to see that I can't provide for them. I need to get this. I got to go to school. Whatever it takes, you get what I'm saying? So it was a mm-hmm. different game. But like you said, that rock bottom was I completely surrendered every area. Mm. And that was one of the missing things of healing from and asking God to renew my mind of getting into another physical abusive, mental abusive, emotional abusive, whatever type of abusive is relationship and feeling that I'm worth that. And even apologizing to this Kim inside of minimizing the abuse Mm. instead of being just truthful that, hey, no, I'm not going to put a blind side on my accountability when I got into a relationship knowing this man had did 10 years incarceration and came straight out to me. And I wanted to save him. I wanted to help him. I seen um, uh, victory within myself of what I could do for him. Not Mm -hmm. thinking about what is he going to do to me? Don't I matter? (laughs) You know? Yeah. 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 I think that's the heart of a woman, too, is to be a caregiver, a nurturer. And I think that gets us in trouble if we don't (laughs) apply those, apply that natural gifting in us through the lens of God. (laughs) You go through the lens of God. You're not... (laughs) Carrie, one of my daughters said, I'm going to tell you something, mom. You're not the savior. <laughs> You're nobody's God. That's what I, that's what somebody said to me. You're nobody's God. Yeah. Well, look, my, one of my daughter girls said, you are not a savior. Stop being savior, Kim. <laughs> I said, you know what? I'm not sick of y'all. <laughs> yeah. When you were talking about you know, putting those pieces together where you're done, you're tired, you've laid it all down. I remember for me, when I was coming into the realization that I had some changes that I need to make. The Lord pointed out to me where these areas where I had laid down responsibilities all along the way. And that's how it got worse and got worse. Kind of like you're saying, I just got, I just gave up. I crumbled, I cowered or whatever the situation was. Can you think of, did that happen for you? Was there something that the Lord said, well, sweetheart, you laid down these areas of responsibility that would have kept you on the right path or anything like that. It's everybody's journey is different, but I was just curious. Yeah, uh, several times. But once again, he also showed me I wanted to go up on my own will and way. And he wasn't going to choose. He gives every human being that he created free will. So there were some moments that uh, I knew that I was responsible and had laid down some things. But also the Kim, anxious Kim, the impulsive Kim that <laughs> that I hadn't brought before the Lord wanted what I wanted. Yeah, I'll raise my hand because I'm like, you know, but I love that about the Lord. He never mm-hmm. takes mm-hmm. our gift of choice from us. He yes. honors it. He respects yep. it. And yep. he lets you have it. And no yep. matter how you're using it, he may not agree, yep. but he still gives you that. Yep. And not only that, I know this is too good to be true, but it's not because mm-hmm. go and experience it with the Lord and you'll know that he's the real deal. But mm-hmm. when you come back or when, when mm-hmm. I have come back with mm-hmm. my tail between my legs and mm-hmm. going, I'm sorry, Lord, mm-hmm. that was wrong. I, you know, I show up with more baggage than I had when I parted my little, went on my little way. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's all right, child. We're going to roll it all in. We're going to work it all into this and we're going to move forward. Right. He never misses a beat. I Sharon, love that you on me, you on my spirit. Cause I was getting ready to just say why you was talking such a loving God. He never waves, waves from 
weary from his promises and his love. And that's why I, I'm so in love. You know, it's great mm-hmm. to be in love with that loving father that we have. He, yeah. he, he, like you said, he doesn't miss a beat. Still such a loving God. <laughs> Do it all. I love that about him. I tell him all the time, nobody's been as good to me as you have, Lord. Oh, they tried, oh my God. but nobody. I know nobody. I know that's right. I think it's even a song about nobody can't, you know, do me like Jesus. But I love that you're absolutely right. No, I have searched all over and have not found none, not one person that could love me and be there, do it all than, than him. And I'm just so grateful. He gets his glory. When we willingly bless him by knowing that all that we went through is for not just our good, but for his glory, bringing it right back to him and sharing. I'm telling you, it was through him and also through my choice, my free will. That's why I'm here. And do I still go through challenges? Yeah, but I am here to be a living witness and to hopefully let someone hear my voice and know that this change is lived, mm-hmm. lived an example that could have gave up, could have given in, could have committed suicide, had so many suicidal thoughts, even with children, but I'm here. That's right. Amen. And I'm in here in a place of healing and thriving. I got through a season where I remember I was just surviving. I remember I was just a living, but now I made the choice to not do none of those, but thrive in this journey. Mm. And I'm loving it. I can tell there's passion in your voice, in your <laughs> eyes, there's a light in your eyes. And I can tell you're loving I'm it. Loving it yeah. And I'm listening to your voice. We've made a couple of comments about voice. Mm-hmm. And so you've come from a place where you did not feel like you had a voice. Most certainly. What, mm-hmm. what did that feel like to not have a voice? Or what does that mean when someone feels like they don't have a voice? How does it, that it was like I was suffocating. It was like I was living life for, for everyone else, through everyone else, but not for my, my own self. Because why should I say anything? I, I didn't feel like my voice mattered. I remember feeling that way, too. I just the boundaries were blurred. Um, I didn't know where I began or ended. And I didn't No one had listened to my voice, you know, my request or whatever before. And why would they listen now? And so right. uh, that is a that's a tough journey to come come back out there. How did God rewrite that for you? How did God rewrite those lies? Because I think one of the things that God does did for me was he he challenged those places when I would give them to him. Mm-hmm. Those lies, they they I wouldn't I don't know that I would have said it was a lie, but and then it comes down to a fear. Mm-hmm. Like he peeled it away to a fear that I had. Mm-hmm. And then he dismantled those fears. How did God rewrite the lies? that you believed about yourself? First comes in my mind is in the Bible, it talks about being courageous. And I had to be courageous enough to speak my truth and to know that my truth needed to be heard. Also, I remember not allowing anyone else to share my story. No one can tell my story like I can tell my story. So I was like, I refuse because I still stay in my hometown where my own, my biological mother is still there that doesn't accept me or my children. And I had to take God to his promises and his word, the Proverbs about virtuous woman, about we will seek the truth and speak the truth. And so with all of that, I just took those scriptures and I applied them to my life. And I said, anything else, I don't have to fear because he'll, he'll take care of that. As long as I do my part. Now we're going back into the responsibility. Yeah. I found 
only can control and be responsible for my response, how I behave, what I do, and what I say. Everything else, Terry, is in God's hands because I have no control. Mm. I have no control. Only control that I have, and that's through the relationship with God, is for me, mm. my actions. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a, a situation in my personal life where I'm being misrepresented and I'm mm-hmm. being misunderstood. Mm-hmm but I am content in being misunderstood and misrepresented right. Right. because first and foremost, God knows the truth. Exactly. And also, I don't know if he'll change the situation because, mm-hmm. because he didn't change my husband's situation. My husband passed away and he didn't change that. So I, that's a very tough area. And that's a reality for mm-hmm. me. Sometimes God does not change situations. It does not turn out like we had wanted him to. Oh, so that, that's definitely. why I'm saying that God, mm-hmm. you know, he may not change the situation, right. but what I do know is that he's working. He's giving opportunities to turn around, to change direction, to respond to him, to whatever. Now, will they, in their ability to choose, choose what he's directing, choose where mm-hmm. he is leading? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I do know that he's working. And not only that, I found peace. As I pray, this is how my personality is anyway, and characteristics. I, 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 I've been named after Kim Hughes. I'm about one of the sweetest. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the way Kim Hughes, I've been named after her, yeah, because of her <laughs> sweet countenance. That's what my my um, adopted mother said. So she looked at this brown and said, um, my dad interrupted her on the stories, and she was looking at Kim Hughes. She said, call her Kim. I have that personality, and I always prayed, even as I don't care how rocky or how painful I had been and hurt through a relationship to be better, not bitter. So that was one thing that I had invested in myself without even have this, this building the strongest relationship that I had with God is to be better, better and better. And, and one of the relationships, he tried to taunt my name. He tried to break my character. He did everything that a monkey could do. Do you understand what I'm saying? I said, I mean, it was in a pure circus, Sherry. He was wow. doing everything to miss, as you were saying, misrepresent. Uh, and I had to leave it to God. And was that so painful and hurtful? Now, I remember seeking out a therapist because the route that I was going, somebody was going to pre- pretty much go me or him, because I, I mean, I, he, he was he was bound to destroy me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I against my generational era and what was uh, embraced, I sought out my first mental therapist. And let me tell you, she really helped me and advocated for me to, you know, get it together, even with me having the ministry and um, uh, history behind me. I advocate for mental health and I had to do that with the resource. And I'm so glad that I did. Yeah. But um, I had to, like you were saying, as far as the misrepresentation and the lies or whatever, still to this day, even with my memoir, people have talked about me in my hometown. I know people have um, uh, said that I've lied or, you know, um, I tried to make my biological mother or somebody look bad or, you know, try to ruin their life. And, and it was not at all of that. It was me speaking my truth, trying to help to heal and inspire someone else of what I went through. But mm-hmm. like I said to you, when I got gave that to God, God gave me that peace to say, look, this, that's something that you can't handle. Even out of the expectations of the results of what I told you to do, 
And those past relationships, whatever they try to do or whatever is said about you. One thing is, is true here in this earthly world that the devil is roaming around trying to seek and devour. Lies are much easier to embrace in our society and hold on to than the truth. But one thing about the truth, truth always reveals the light. So we're walking in light. Darkness don't matter. Mm. <laughs> when you when you're talking about this change and you're speaking your truth because and it reminds me of when you disrupt other people's comfort you become the bad guy like mm-hmm. they have to do something to maintain their comfort level mm-hmm. so w- when you disrupt that they come after you with lies <laughs> and misinformation <laughs> misrepresentation right right you're so absolutely feels- right when you're making some decisions for yourself like and they sound like non-negotiable belief systems. And it sounds like that is the compass for you uh, with regard to sticking with God in faith, because faith, in my opinion, comes from experience. Like you take that, maybe that first leap and believe that God's going to do something or show up for you in a, in a certain way. And, uh, and then it begins to build on that. What has been your journey to a strong faith? If it wasn't for me intentionally building it, then I wouldn't be as strong as I am now. And as I said before, challenges still come. I, you know, experienced two losses this year, not even a six month period of time. My adopted mother passed away in Easter and then I, my minor um, father passed away. But that faith, um, I um, intentionally, work on the relationship and 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 what I had to get away from Sherry is it's not behind it's not in the church it's not knocking on the church door every time it opens and tearing in and being in the church um every day 24 7 when I wake up in the morning I conversate I commune with God when I'm driving when I'm um going to work throughout the middle of the day sometimes when I'm going to the bathroom it's that built of that personal relationship of myself. And this is what he, um, I believe God wants all of us to have is a personal relationship. We get so religious-fied. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to bring out, I listen to all types of music, but I feed my spirit. I listen to country. I listen to jazz. I listen to R&B. I listen to rap. I listen to gospel. I listen to Southern gospel. But I feed and I work on building my support system and self-love and what works for me. Mm-hmm. Music is my serenity. So I'm building this faith in God, but also knowing that, the, like you were talking about that word, I love that, the practical mm-hmm. of living in this earthly life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you think about the arc of your journey with God so far, what has been your biggest why question for God? I really believe my biggest why was, and I say was, because I found peace now that was in his plan. My biggest why was um, for the longest time that I wasn't given to my paternal aunt when I was the baby. Like I was telling you, Cher, when she had that call by my dad and I interrupted her stories and my biological mother was in a as she said, and as he confirmed, in a disarray, because I ended up to be the second girl. 
and she thought and the Holy Spirit told her that I was going to be a boy and she was in a way. I promise you that why was one of the hardest things for me to come to peace with that I wished and I wondered why if she was such an a distraught, that's the word, and did not want me and they knew it, that why didn't he plan for me to be given to these beautiful couple Mm. that would have loved me from birth and I would have escaped all that five up until five-year-old abandonment and rejection from my biological mother and then having to transition at five-ish to six to these strangers. Well, I knew they were family members, but they wasn't my foundation. They wasn't my biological mother and father that I knew that I wanted to stay with that's supposed to protect me, that mm-hmm. was supposed to love me, that was not supposed to drop me off and leave me there and keep my sister and separate me from them. Uh, it, it, the, the injustice, they wasn't supposed to do that. So I was like, why, you know, that why? Mm-hmm. Until, like you said, I had to come to peace as I looked through the transitions and the events that happened to my life, that it wasn't God's timing. God had his plan mm-hmm. for me to be there, to be able to be the woman I am now, mm-hmm. to be the mother. Mm-hmm. You see how his plan unfold? Mm-hmm. To be the mother that I am now to four adult children and one minor. I had that one minor at 42 to build the legacy of mm-hmm. my own. To not only that, to break generational curses, Mm -hmm. it was his plan. So the why turned into, yeah, it was his plan. (laughs) It's his plan. He makes the most of the evil of this world. I often say that he will pierce the lies and the pain Mm -hmm. that Satan loves to dish out, but he comes in and rescues us if we agree with him, if we choose to agree right. with him and pursue his heart, right. because he's surely pursuing us and he right. can turn any of those things around. You're absolutely right. But it is nice to know that you grew through these difficult seasons and situations into the woman that you are today. Right. And now that, ever- like I said, that was the hardest. And it. I want listeners to know it wasn't easy to get to this point. But go ahead. <laughs> Wasn't it no, easy to get to this point? Oh, that's to that valid... why I'm so glad you asked you asked me that question because I, many as I've done, no one asked me that question about why, and I was never able to give that response. So I'm so glad that somebody needed to hear that. Hmm. Of I question and agonize grief of wanting to be had given. Hmm at birth or as a baby. So I would not have to went through, I had a memory of such a broken foundation up until I was six or five-ish. Because that rejection from your mother or father, that is lifelong dealing with until you let God bring that healing into this. You're absolutely right. Wasn't that, I didn't know, I knew. And I remember even down to my adopted mother funeral, giving us tribute. And that's on my um, website. But I remember my heart agonized for her because in that why I wanted her to have felt a newborn baby's love. Mm -hmm. She was cheated. 
you know, I feel, but it was all in God's plan because I loved, I had, I had grew to love my biological mother. She just didn't love me back. Right. Yeah. But she wanted my adopted mother wanted nothing more than a child's love Yeah, that I didn't, I wasn't able to give her an infant love, you know, mm-hmm. but Hey, look, bright side. She got to have a child though. She got yeah. to put little pantyhose on her. She got to put little dresser up and little, <laughs> little old fashioned and not. <laughs> that was her baby. But look, you know, <laughs> Sherry up there laughing. Don't be laughing. <laughs> I just think that was adorable. I can yeah. even picture her and just yeah. the joy yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah, because she couldn't have any children. You know, her, that yeah. was her second marriage for her husband and he had adult children, but um, she, I was their baby. She oh. had a, she said she had a miscarriage or a surgery, but she couldn't have any children. I yeah. just picture them little pantyhose and them little feet and them little yeah. diaper, roughly diaper or whatever. <laughs> was a so cute little girl, all this hair, baby. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Did you ever get a chance? Cause I think this is so important, but did you ever get a chance to grieve that? Why to grieve the injustice of it all? Mm-hmm the cruelty, the evil. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. What did that I did. do for you? Um, it, uh, and it, and it happened during, during COVID, but it helped free, free me. It helped me be liberated mm-hmm. just to grieve, mm-hmm. just to grieve. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I was I think- ready. And I think if that grievance didn't come when it did, I wouldn't have been able to endure her death at the time. <laughs> that it did. And she, she lived to see that I had published a book and that I had spoke my truth. Yeah. 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 And we had a heart to heart moment of talk about, uh, the love that I had for her and that I would always love her. And I'm so, was so blessed that her and her husband, you know, opened the door and raised me and yeah. yeah, And look at the woman that I am now. That's a huge weight. It is. uh... is. And you know what else I had to do, which you're saying about grieving is that during that period, too, I got uh, accepting and embracing and grieving the death of my father Mm -hmm. in 97 and the choices that I made that I didn't take time to grieve. I didn't know what it looked like. I just knew I lost that uh, that one person that um, I felt protected me that I kept that 12 year old molestation away from him because I didn't want him hurt and feel like he failed protecting me because it was, he, he didn't know about it and he didn't intentionally had that to happen. He, he loved me. I knew he did, Mm -hmm. but, uh, he died not knowing now my biological mother, Oh, not my biological, my my adopted mother. I told when Mm -hmm. I was grown, but, um, I, I, you talked about, taking that time. I never forget that I took that time and cried and just took that time to let it, let it impact my mind to say, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to know that you did the best you could during that time, but you were grieving. Mm -hmm. You lost that first initial person in your life that protected you. Mm -hmm. I think, um, one of the things that happens when you're abused is that you put distance between you and your feelings and your emotions. So it's one thing to know that there is a heavy grief to what you are experiencing or have experienced, but there's all, it's just as important though when it surfaces, when the grief surfaces. But for me uh, with my grief regarding my husband's passing, 
you know, it'll wait on you. That kind of grief will wait until you look it square in the eye and process it and grieve it. Did you find that to be true? Like it was waiting for you. Yeah, Yeah. you're absolutely right. It was not only waiting, but I had to, I had to face it. Yeah. (laughs) I ran, I was a runner. I used to run. Oh. I, I left the city. That's how my first, um, well, my second marriage came came in. I, I went from uh, the, the little city that I was in um, to Baltimore, Maryland, left my uh, hometown, my Eastern Shore, running away to uh, everyone else to not feel the hurt and not feel the pain of being accepted by my biological family, by my biological mother that was in the ministry. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't want, I, I got tired of feeling the hurt and the pain to run into her and still no relationship with her. So I said, run, put them roller states on and let them live their life mm-hmm. however they want, but you eliminate yourself and you mm-hmm. run. Yeah. So like you said, I had to face it. I had to face head on. I couldn't run anymore. And I'm still back in my hometown. But you guess what, Sherry? I'm going to be leaving me and this little minor of mine, but it's going to be on God's timing. It ain't going to be because I'm running. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That's a big difference, right? That's a big difference. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A couple more questions and then we'll, we'll, we'll close for the day. Mm -hmm. What is one thing that a person can do today that will start to shift where they are and into healing or restoration and with God redemption? Is there one thing that they can do to make a shift, start a ripple? Acceptance, I can just say accept and surrender. Oh my gosh. There's two powerful, two things that I, I just can't, can't not say one without the other is accepting uh, their life journey and uh, surrendering to God that, that, that they had to accept, just surrendering mm-hmm. it over. Yeah. And not surrendering to just anything or anyone, mm-hmm. but to God to God. Yeah. As we close, I just want to ask one more question. Is there anything that I have not asked you about that you want to share before we close? Oh, no, but I will say, because I I'm so glad that, um, you brought out, uh, totally a lot of things different than I've never been able to expose. So thank you. And thank God for your, um, your spirit and your heart. Um, but, um, I do want to say, I had learned to give myself the biggest gift and I'm not a giver. I mean, I'm not a gift receiver, I should say. Yeah. Um, because I'm more of a giver. I want everybody else to receive gifts you know, yeah, right. from me or whatever, but I was able to accept and embrace the biggest gift that I could give myself. And that was choosing me. I am so loving choosing me. And that's what I would encourage anyone to understand uh, that uh, that is the greatest and the biggest gift that you can give yourself besides having that personal relationship with God, but Mm -hmm. choosing you every day. You're so worth it. And I found out, oh my gosh, I'm worth it. And everyone else here on this earth is worth choosing their self. Amen. Yeah. Is there a Bible verse that someone can hang on to to reinforce that? Can you think of anything off the top of your head? Yeah, my favorite one is um, what my adopted dad used to always be praying for is the race is not given to the swift nor to the strong because we as women always we're strong. We're strong in nature. We mentally we yeah, you can always hear that cliche. You're a strong black woman or you're a strong woman, period. And, you know, I love you, Sherry, and I know you are, too. But that uh, scripture has always 
resonated with my with my spirit of the race is not given to the swift. You don't have to be the fastest. You don't have to be the strongest, but it's the one that endures to the end. And so I find myself and I love that scripture because as we are doing this journey, we have to endure, just endure. And we can do it together. You know, we're here for each other's support. I believe in every listener here that you can do it. And I know Sherry, you do too, but we have to endure to the end, to the end. Well, it has been an absolute delight <laughs> to talk with you today. I oh, likewise. Every minute of it and likewise. I, keep going, I know. I likewise, Sherry. Thank you so much for this platform. May it continue to be a blessing. Oh, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sweet friend. Thank you for your time and for sharing this experience with my guest. I hope you have found encouragement for today and a deeper revelation of God's heart in the midst of pain and suffering. We'd love to have you as a subscriber to Finding God in Our Pain so that you can be connected with all my guests as they share their personal experiences and professional knowledge about pain and suffering. And because this podcast is a division of the website, A Life of Thrive, for more information and the various ways you can connect with us, please visit the website, alifeofthrive.com. I look forward to sharing more transparent stories from the hearts of women who intimately know what it means to have their world flipped upside down, their authentic struggle to make sense of it, and what recovery and healing looks like. Till then, sweet woman, remember you are not alone and that God speaks the most beautiful things in the dark.